everyone. I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight. And we are so honored to have you as a part of uh, our Pathlight family and glad to have you tuned in today to the broadcast. Hope you'll stay tuned for the entire, the entire program, the entire program today. Let me mention very quickly, Christian Bible College, if you're interested in beginning or continuing your education, theological education, you might want to check out Christian Bible College. We have uh, correspondence programs for associate degrees through bachelor degrees and masters right on up to a doctorate level PhD degrees in theology or Christian education, Christian counseling, uh, several other things that are available for you. Check it out, christianbiblecollege.org. All right, just check that out for me, please. And if you're interested and want more information, just give us a telephone call. We'll be glad to fill you in on all the details of how easy it would be for you to enroll as a student in Christian Bible College. And if you've already completed some uh, credits at other colleges or universities, we might be able to apply those. Also, we might be able to apply some life experience credits also. But anyway, take a look at that, if you will, christianbiblecollege.org in existence since 1980, so we're not some fly-by-night outfit, and some great uh, men and women of God uh, literally around the world have uh, taken our courses, and over 200, I believe, are signed up right now as students in Christian uh, Christian Bible College. Check it out if uh, if if you will. I want to encourage you to do so. Well, in just a moment, I'm going to be speaking to you about somewhat of a controversial subject, and that is racism. I abhor racism. Now, sometimes you might, whatever group you're looking at, you might say, well, we're racist against this group or that group. And of course, this anti-Semitism is going on a lot today around the world. And around the world, racism is still around, and man keeps trying to fix it. At least that's what he says. Here in America, We know a lot of our racism is propagated by politicians that want to keep us divided. We know that. Uh, You know, it's kind of ironic. You get people one-on-one, and we don't really care what color they are or, or, uh, in some cases, what even religion they are so far as them being good neighbors and and people that we can rely on and depend upon. I I know people of all religions and people of all races and backgrounds uh, that uh, that I look at today and and consider them to be uh, wonderful, wonderful people. But... But trouble is, politicians want to divide us, and around the world there is systemic racism. But we're going to be talking about that a little bit today, so I hope you'll stay tuned for today's entire entire program, if you will. Just before, though, today's message, I've got a musical selection coming your way that I hope you will, uh, you will enjoy. Ooh, gentle river 
And our hearts will be gay As we stroll through that city Racism, something we, I think, all would like to do. All rational men would like to see that happen. I want to speak with you a little bit about that subject today of ending racism and make a statement, and the statement is simply this, that man cannot, man himself cannot end racism. You know, if I ever informed my dad when I was growing up that someone had called me, uh, called me a name, most likely, Dad would immediately ask me a question. He'd say, well, is it true? Is it true? Someone called you dumb. Are you dumb? Uh, someone said, you lied. Did you lie? You know, you know, that's the first thing. You check home, check yourself, make sure that, uh, that what they said was not true. So, and if I said, well, no, Dad, it wasn't, it wasn't true. Ronnie, Ronnie said I was dumb. Well, are you dumb? Did you do something to make Ronnie or any other rational person think you're dumb? No, sir, I don't, I don't believe I did. Well, that means then that Ronnie's dumb, so you just need to ignore him. 
And that's kind of the philosophy Dad had in life. There were some things worth uh, worth getting in a ruckus over, but most things were not. Dad said, just ignore idiots, all right? Yet there were still some things you didn't want to be called, even if you knew they were not true. I'm talking about it as a kid growing up. Uh, no one wanted to be called queer, even if you knew and they knew it was not true. No one wanted to be known as the teacher's pet, even though it was not true. In our society today, no one wants to be known as racist, even if you know, and even they know it is not true. Even though we know that most people that are called racist probably are not, while most people calling people racist probably are. I remember back many years ago, President Lyndon Johnson, I'm going back now to the 1960s, said he was going to end poverty in America. Well, you say, well, he didn't do a very good job. Well, of course he didn't because it cannot be done. There's some things that cannot be done. It says so in the word of God. Jesus said this, for ye have the poor always with you. That's Matthew 26, 11. So the Lord Jesus acknowledges the fact there's always going to be poor people. There are some folks, if you give them, and I think the lotteries have proven this, if you give them a million dollars today, in a few months they're going to be poor again because they, they choose not to manage their money or they're not able to manage their money. In most cases they choose, choose not to. So the Lord says you're not going to get rid of poverty. We could have saved a lot of money in America if someone had just read that verse of Scripture. Now, certainly I'm not adverse to helping the poor. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, but I'm simply saying you're not going to eliminate poverty in America. This is a dumb statement to say you're going to do it. I heard a politician, many politicians recently, say their goal is to end racism in America. Now, assuming the best intentional intentions that most rational people really do want to end racism. I would like to see it ended. And I think most rational people and certainly Christian people would like to see that taken care of. But I want to be totally honest and tell you that today it cannot be done. My dad taught me growing up to respect all hardworking people, all honest people. Uh, it didn't, didn't matter uh, how, what color they were. It didn't matter anything about them. If they were hardworking, they were honest, you, you were supposed to respect them. And I was taught that uh, from a child. But dad also taught me to have less respect for sluggards, people who were unwilling to work. It didn't care what color they were. If they were unwilling to work, they were unwilling to pull their fair share. I was not to have the high respect for them that I had for a working man. As a matter of fact, I don't remember ever being prejudiced growing up, and we didn't use racial slurs in our house, and I, I, don't, I don't remember being prejudiced as I was growing up. Now, now, later, as I grew up and began to see some of the disparities, I became a little more prejudiced after going to college and seeing some of the programs the government had, and, and of course, later on, I would become a Christian and thank the Lord that was put behind me. But I'm sure that many people, Today, calling for an end of racism really do want to make this world a better place for men and women of all races. But the truth is, they're powerless in spite of their best intentions. Now, some people are, are promoting this just to raise money or just to become popular or to have power. I understand that. But, but the truth is, there are some people who genuinely want to see it ended. But they are not going to be able to do it. That doesn't mean we don't try. It just simply means you're not going to totally succeed. It would be the same thing as trying to say, I'm going to stop lust, all right? I, I'm, we're going to stop lust. We're going to outlaw lust. And, and from now on, I don't want anyone to lust. It can't happen. It's not going to happen. Or we're going to stop envy. 
It cannot happen. We can make all the rules and all the regulations and put in place all the incentives that we want to, but you're not going to stop envy. It just cannot be stopped. Man on his own power is powerless to accomplish that feat. You're not going to stop lust. You're not going to stop envy. And you're not going to stop racism. Ending racism is a noble idea. I'll I'll give you that. But I'm not sure anyone really believes it can be done. Many well-meaning people have been trying to stop it for all recorded history, yet to no avail. Politicians can change laws. They can change laws. They can put regulations in effect. But they cannot stop sin. And racism is sin. And a world enslaved to sin cannot overcome sin, not on its own. Even if you were able to build a completely totalitarian society... A total totalitarian regime. And that regime had the authority to severely punish those who do not bow to ending racism. If you can enact enough laws and regulations with enough force and enough power to say, we're going to end it. It still could not force anyone to love what he ought to love and hate what he ought to hate. The change the world groans after even on its best days, belongs to the very God the world rejects. He alone has the power to change hearts, and that's where it has to change. He alone has the power to end racism. But yet we want to kick God out of everywhere and then wonder why hatred begins begins to grow. It grows because without God, it's natural to hate. It's natural to want to be treated better than the other fella. It's natural to want to get more than the other fella, to build yourself up even if you got to step on the backs of somebody else. That is natural fallen humanity. Only God can overcome that. But why? We we can't expect non-Christian movements, even with the best of them, even the best of them, to end racism of the heart. Because the sinfulness of humanity with regard to skin color, the Bible says that no sooner can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard his spots than those who are accustomed to doing evil do good. That's Jeremiah thirteen twenty three. He says it's impossible. A, a leopard can't change his spots. A man can't change his skin color. You can't do it. Now you say, well, I can color myself up on the outside. Yeah, sure you can. I can put on some makeup or or spray myself to make myself darker or lighter or whatever the case might be. Sure you can. But that really still doesn't change who you are. Paul says, mankind is enslaved to sin, children of wrath, gladly following the devil, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And racism is just one manifestation of this rebellion against God. We think we can... Pick and choose our master. And any master we choose will empower us to end racism. I'm going to put my faith in government to end racism. It won't work. I'm going to put my faith in in society. Uh, It's not going to work. I'm going to put my faith in education. It's not going to work. Any master you choose can't end racism. It will not. Ending racism is not possible for the world or any man-made institution or law or regulation any more than any law or regulation is going to stop lust or stop envy. The humanitarian religion can take aim for a time at systemic racism. 
but it'll tire. It's going to move on to the next new fad when convenient. We may talk about racism until we get elected, and then after that, we're not going to do anything. We're going to move on to what's going to get us elected next time. That's the nature of this world. No politician, no law, no march, no protest, no best resolve, nor legal measures, no affirmative action, no amount of listening or diversity training is going to end racism. As great as some of these measures might be, Racism is sin, and a world enslaved to sin cannot overcome sin. This makes Jesus' way to end racism revolutionary, doesn't it? He says in John 3, 7, you must be born again. That's the way he says you end it. That's the way you end lust. That's the way you end envy. That's the only way to do it. Be born again and have be empowered then by the Holy Spirit of God to lead, lead a life that brings honor to our Lord. He begins from the inside out, not from the outside in. You must have new loves, a new nature, a new heart, and that happens on the inside. This new heart, enthroned by God himself, inspires a what we might call a cross-cultural love for Christians who are different. I can love the man as a born-again brother in Christ Jesus. He is my brother. I don't care anything about his skin color. I don't care about his language. I don't care what color uh, he is. I don't care what nation he is. I don't care about any of that. All I know is he's my brother in Jesus Christ, and we stand as equals before God, before the throne of God. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God, the Bible says. This new heart is incompatible with any practice of racism. 1 John 3, 8 and 9, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. The new heart that the Bible tells us about is where we will experience this eternal peace with one another. Men and women of all tongues and nations and colors, this heart, unlike the old heart, is different. And it's not the old heart commanded to act new. No, it is really, genuinely, totally a new heart because it has been born again. It's interesting to me that most racism today is propagated by liberals. The Bible says evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Proverbs 28, 5. New births by the Spirit of God empower us to live new lives of love, a love strong enough to overcome old bigotries that might be in our lives. Things that perhaps we grew up with in our society or grew up with in our family or face when we went to college or whatever that may have produced some bigotry within us. Suddenly this new heart empowered by the Holy Spirit created a new through our Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood, gives me the power to overcome all that. The foundations, the very foundations of racism and all of the perversions of our culture can be stopped. I'm not telling you today it cannot be stopped. It can be stopped. But not under a brotherhood that flies under some banner of a better tomorrow or a particular political party or, or some particular social agenda. Not under the 
banner of some new law or regulation. But if it flies under the banner of Jesus Christ and his shed blood and his power, then it can only work. You see, the cross still towers over the wrecks of time, shining like a lighthouse to navigate through dark and jagged shores. When the cross shrinks, the world dims. When the church loses influence in a culture, the culture decays. And that's what we're seeing in America today. I just read where the where the longevity factor in America has gone down. It's been going down for several years now, going down. Men and women not living as long. And they said, well, part of it's because of COVID. Part of it's because of drugs uh, in our society. Part of it's because of, of crime in our society. That, that the longevity rate, the, the, you know, is, is, has, has grown less. Well, what has caused most of that? What is causing what causes the drugs? What causes the crime? And even uh, perhaps COVID, I'm not convinced it wasn't caused by man in some fashion or form. Man has done it, you see. So when a culture begins to decay, when the church loses its influence and the culture decays, then things go downhill and they go downhill quickly. When we distance ourselves from Calvary, when we move on and try to do God's work without giving preeminence to God's work and God's spirit and God's word, will never shine with the light the world so desperately needs. In other words, having something higher to unify us more than unity itself. You see, if we're truly going to be one, we've got to have something that's going to unify us, and it's got to be something greater than something man can come up with. Hey, let's, let's get unified. Let's all wear blue shirts tomorrow. Someone's not going to want to wear a blue shirt. Hey, let's be as one tomorrow. Let, let's all wear black shoes tomorrow, okay? Uh, put up your tennis shoes or whatever. Let's get some black shoes. Everybody, we're going to unify. Yeah, you know, that's not going to work. Men are not going, to, not going to accept that. But when God unifies us, when we say let's get together and let's worship God, let's get together and let's honor the Lord as brothers and sisters in Christ, something higher to unite us than just unity then we'll show forth the righteous fruit of God being among us. Our culture today is, uh, reminds me actually of the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. Though she spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone until the Lord finally came and healed her, if you remember. This world today is full of physicians that cannot heal. Racism needs to end, but your favorite political candidate is not going to do it. New legislations, they're not going to do it. With all the good they might try to achieve, they cannot end racism. None of these can change hearts. And we spent thousands, multiplied thousands, millions of dollars on programs to end racism. We're like that woman that spent everything she had trying to solve a problem, and she was none the better, and I'm not sure we're any the better. We may even be in worse shape. Because we have invested in physicians with no value, we need to turn to the Lord, the very one that we have kicked out of our schools and kicked out of our society. And, you know, historically in America, by the way, too many churches, including many of our sister Baptist churches, have not been the standard bearers in this area. 
Rather, we've had our share of indulgences and compromises with racist societies instead of shining like we ought to shine. Yet the church today is still, with all her weakness, with all her infirmity, the church today is still the only institution on this planet that goes forth in the authority of Christ and can bring real change. The only answer for curing racism today is the church and Jesus Christ working through his people. The Lord says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And love one another was one of those things. Jesus says, Teach them the things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always even until the end of the world. That was in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It's somewhat ironic when you think about it that the racism-free world fallen humanity aches for is, is approaching. Racism will end soon, sooner than a lot of people really want it to end. And man will not do it. It will be when our king finally comes to reign and not only will that end racism when King Jesus takes over, but every other sin will be thrown into the lake of fire. And his people will be unified in ways we probably can't even begin to imagine in Christ. Racism is a horrible sin. But just like lust or envy or sins of that nature, you're not going to get rid of it by outlawing it or by some program or some politician giving a great speech. Many of them are not even sincere. They're just trying to buy votes. But I think some of them are sincere. There are men and women like you and I that would honestly like to see it end. But they are physicians with no value because the only way to end it is by pointing people to the Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because only He can end this horrible sin. I'm for any good program that might work, even if it helps just a little bit. But the real answer is always found in Jesus Christ. Well, with that, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to our broadcast today. We hope our programs are a blessing to you and that you enjoy the Pathlight program. And by the way, if you're listening to this on, on radio uh, and you miss the, the, uh, the, the, the broadcast or you have a friend that you think might like to enjoy the broadcast, check us out on the uh, Pathpoint uh, podcast. Uh, the Pathlight podcast, and you'll find us. You'll find us there along with a lot of archives. Also, this particular message is in this month's, the January edition of Pathpoint magazine. So, if you're among the seven thousand or so folks that get that, it will be in the magazine, or you can catch that online in written form at pathpointmagazine.org. Until next time, this is T.D. Worthington saying, "May God richly bless you." Is my prayer.